beat my neighbors. Yeah, there it is, the gay bomb. Welcome to the Plex. 
<clears throat> we do this show live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Media, And of course, goes out as a podcast. Any of your favorite podcatchers, and if there happens to be one the show isn't on, just shoot me an email and I will endeavor to fix that. And support this project many ways. Uh, Twitch viewers, you can always do uh, subs, gift subs, and uh, bits. And of course, there's our merch shop at eplex.store. And for those of y'all who are boring and just want to do Patreon, we do patreon.com slash echoplex. And uh, this week, I'm here to remind you that everything is, in fact, just fine. Everything's fine, and everything's fine, and it's great. Thanks. Everything's fine, and everything's fine, and it's great. Thanks. Everything's fine, and everything's fine, and it's great. (laughs) Thanks. Everything's fine, and everything's fine. I hope you have a real nice day. The weather, the traffic, the time, and the news. How's your commute? What do you do? Sorry I'm late. I kept hitting snooze. It's just one of those days. You know what they say. It is what it is. Ignorance is bliss. When it rains, it pours. Couldn't ask for more. What goes around comes around all in good time. I guess that your guess is as good as mine. Everything's fine and everything's fine and it's great. start off tonight with a warning warning the new world order has already started i watched a little of this video from four days ago before i put it on the dock and i decided uh, instead of putting it in red light maybe we'll uh lead off with this for today this guy's version of the new world order though is just one of them it's it's different it's like times are changing so uh, if you're you're gonna use that metric then yeah i guess every every week is a new world order but he's uh, some kind of fundamentalist uh christian guy and they are, he says, uh, and they are secretly doing it on purpose. I wonder who he means by they. Maybe we'll find out. Anyway, everybody, prepare for the new world order. Are we truly seeing a new world order? I actually think we are. And the sad thing is we've tried to push against it, but slowly, surely, a little bit at a time, it's becoming a new world order. If not a new world order, it's becoming a new American order where we once were a nation that at least understood morals and values. As a Christian conservative, that was important to me. But even if you're not a Christian, you should not want... I wonder when he thinks the time was that we understood morals and values. It would say a lot about uh, like his other opinions, I think, right? 
should not want high inflation, high debts. You should not want so much overregulation to be on you and your family. Today, we're gonna to talk about just a few reasons that we are seeing a true new world order and a new American order, and we should learn to prepare for it. Let's jump into it today. This video starts right now. We got time on our side. The music I play is so much better than this. Hey guys, welcome to the Max. Thank you so much for being here today. If you're new to the channel, go down here, press subscribe, ring the bell, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down. That's okay, but let us know what you think about this video. Our goal is to always share information that hopefully can help you and your family navigate through a crazy time in our timeline in America. Hopefully we can gain wisdom and see what is best for you and your family. Why do I believe we're seeing a new world order? Well, let's talk about three things that I think you should be looking upon and making sure you're preparing and taking care of your family. Uh, these are just three things that we've kinda uh, compiled. It's not for sure all of them, but this is the ones that we're gonna focus on today. Number one is the war on our family. We have taken the value of family away from the American way. Everything such as commercials, such as sitcoms, such as every movie that you've watched has either a stupid dad, a debilitating dad, or a dad that does not care. A mom who's overly stressed, usually on some kind of medicine, and kids who do not respect their mother. <laughs> this is like very old kind of like manosphere shit. They were talking about this shit like on um, like Sargon's channel and whatnot, like a long time ago. That's just what's being taught to us even on our TV. But let's dive deeper. In California just this week, the legislator has passed not one but four bills to remove children from their homes, from their parents, placed in government systems if they do not abide with what the kids, the kids who are under 18, who are in the home, abide to what they believe they are when it comes to their philosophy or whatever they've been indoctrinated with in school. So we're seeing- So their philosophy, he's talking about trans people. It's not really a philosophy, right but go off weirdo. Parents. And taking those kids away from those parents to put them in some kind of government system or government home or some other means to give them everything they want and, and to make them be able to do whatever they want to do. Actually, so they, they uh, generally would try to place the kids with another family member if possible. Amazing. Our kids cannot buy certain things till they're 18 or 21. They can't vote. They can't drive till they're 16. However, we can allow them to make very definitive, permanent decisions to their body and to their lives. And you as a parent have no say Most of the stuff, this is not permanent. This is happening more and more. So the war on the family is going to keep on happening because we have no morals and values anymore in our country. And we're seeing a movement away from the family. The we family have no morals or values. It's, this guy's like, he's, this is really, this is really good. I'm kind of glad we started with this. Um, this guy, it's not that we don't have morals and values. It's that fucking times change and people think about the world differently in different times as they get new information or as they've had new experiences or as, as culture changes governmental structure meaning this is one of those things it's okay father mother children if you didn't come up in a home of father mother children that's okay that doesn't mean you're wrong that doesn't mean anything other than it may have been a little bit tougher on you to not see that that first step of uh, of a body made up to have rules and regulations and then if we respect that then our kids tend to respect the rest of the rules and regulations and make sure they understand the basis of morals and values if we start breaking that down then we're seeing a new generation we talk about also all this this pharmaceuticals and all the the uh, propaganda and tops that these kids have been taken in and in indoctrinated to where kids don't care to have families anymore they don't care to have children anymore there's a new study well kids shouldn't be having families or children yet i mean 
he means like he means like the younger generations though right he means the like millennials and um uh, the, the gen z aren't having uh, as many kids or you know starting what he would call a family and a lot of that's socioeconomic i mean getting married's expensive if you get married you probably want to buy a house if you have kids you definitely want to try to you know buy a house so like all these things they're not it's not due to a lack of morals really it's just the different circumstances than uh than he thinks uh i don't even know if he's um gonna if he's critical of the uh the system that's uh causing all this we'll see gen z is the loneliest the absolute loneliest generation that we have produced in america they also said that gen z is the most indoctrinated the most unsure of who they are why? Because they've not been taught correctly in the family structure. They've been indoctrinated more than anything. The breakdown of the family is the start of a new world order. Even more than that, a new American order. Number two, we are being led by senior citizens and people who are dementia-ridden and lobbyists and politicians that are career-based and they're only caring about their self and not for the freedoms and liberties and not for the American people. There was a study that came out that said that the Pentagon is even worried. Now, not the political side of the Pentagon, not the people who go on stage. Which side is the political side of the Pentagon? Is, is it segregated? and say everything that the administration wants to say. There's been talks and rumblings in the Pentagon to say we're going to get ourselves in World War III or a nuclear war or a major catastrophic event all because we are led by dementia-ridden patients and people who see dollar signs. I don't think the Pentagon's saying that. Uh, militarization or the movement of what we consider a democracy, but really what it is, is is a push of NATO and really the warmongers of these politicians. So we're seeing a push of Old individuals that's been there way too long and they could care less about you because they're so much higher than the typical person that's voting for them. How in the world they've become career politicians just blows my mind. But they are not looking out for America. They're looking out for their self and their own families. Now, I care for my family. I'm going to be very self Yeah, it's, it's a little contradictory here. What if, what if they have the good family values he's talking about and are looking out for their own family? <laughs> like he's already, he caught himself though. You could tell he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This might seem a little contradictory. My family to have the best. However, I cannot do it to the detriment of someone else. So we, we have freedoms, we have liberties, we believe in capitalism. So our goal is to work hard, provide for our family, and make sure they have the best situation they could have. Does that mean it always works out? No. But it's, it's a goal and a strive that we want to do. So I have no problem with someone saying we want to take care of our family. But it cannot be at the detriment of others, or it can't be to the fact that we're stepping upon others to get there. And that's exactly what our politicians are Some doing. Some stuff's a zero-sum game, though. Sometimes people. taking care of yourself and your... Your people means that you're necessarily making it harder for someone else. Holding out for this debt ceiling thing. I think they should hold out. I think we should shut the government down. Problem is, they're just looking out probably for themselves more than they're actually looking out for the American people because they will bend over just like they always do, lose their backbone and have no courage to say, you know what, I'm willing to stand up for the situation that I believe in, the principles of America. Now, because of that, we're seeing a weakened political state, a weakened government state, because it's so lobby-filled, so money-filled, so pork-filled, so over-regulated, that it's not actually looking out for the liberty and freedom of America. So that is building a new style government. That's building a new version of America. That's not the America that we once had. I don't believe our founders ever set up that the government was supposed to be as big as it is. Should they protect our freedoms? Should well, they keep us I mean, to be fair though, if you dropped any of the, the, the so-called founding fathers <clears throat> into modern society, they would 
absolutely freak out. But then after Ben Franklin got done freaking out, he would be uh, looking for sex workers, I think. Absolutely. We're not protecting our freedoms and security because our cities are blowing up, burning down, and crime is running rampant and our borders are not secure. Okay, cities are not burning down. Crime is still at a historical low. Has this guy ever heard of the late 80s? So the government is working on all this stuff that's going to fatten their pocket and build a more socialist government, all the while not doing the main two things. Protecting freedom, securing our borders. Before we get to number three, there's a, a great uh, quote by Abraham Lincoln. It says, you cannot help men permanently by doing for them what they could do for themselves. Kind of goes back to the government thing. If we allow our government to step in and do everything for us, then we are making a crutch, a subsidy that's going to be drug-induced, crime-ridden, lazy generation that's going to have no aspirations, no dedication, no goals, nothing, because the government's going to give them everything they want. They're going to be- Including the drugs? garbage they're going to be spoon-fed propaganda and they're going to become a new socialist nation like i said if we have a breakdown of the family government's filling all those roles we are building a new america that i don't think no one wants number three this is one that's hitting pretty close and i think the more we limit the more you hear the word limit or, or add extra tax the more it's going to cause more people not to be able to invest in it or buy we're going to see a banning most likely of these things but We've seen California and a lot of other states put in higher taxes on munitions and self-defense tools. We've seen the fact that we- Video editing is his passion. Access to certain style, certain style self-defense tools. If we keep seeing that happen, you're taking a major freedom away from the American people. To see a new America, they're gonna have to take more rights away from the First Amendment and Second Amendment. Well, First Amendment, we're seeing more censorship. We're seeing the fact that it's not absolute, meaning they can <clears throat> they can decide- Yeah, your freedom of speech is not absolute. I always, when they talk about this, I always just bring up conspiracy laws, right? <laughs> like, if your freedom of speech was absolute, it would be totally fucking, totally cool for you to just go hire a hitman freedoms go and then the hitman would be the one the only guilty party not you so yeah have the freedoms to own self-defense tools they're not saying you may not can own them what they're going to do is try to limit the access or they're going to make it so hard where you may not can get it or they're going to make it so expensive that most people can't buy you, you see how that works it's not the fact that they're saying we're going to ban it we're going to we're going to cancel the second amendment we're going to cancel the first amendment they're not doing that what they're doing is they're limiting censoring and adding more steps for both more regulation means it's going to be harder for that first amendment and second amendment to actually work now i challenge you a few things you should be doing you should be purchasing stockpiling as much as you can of those th of those things in number three you should be building your home as much as you can if you're working like crazy and you can't devote a lot of time to your children you need to find time to devote to your children if you can't if you can't date your wife you need to find a way to date your wife or date your husband if you have a struggling marriage wait what to date your wife or date your husband uh, does he just mean like go out work on your marriage money and all these issues that we're dealing with with stress is going to cause a harder time if your schools are teaching propaganda and indoctrination get your kids out of there if you can't get them out of there you better learn to be the best pta that you can be in and go to these school board meetings and start making changes you have to start looking at things different we have to look at we have to look at a true reset and not the kind of reset that they're pushing for. We don't need a new world order or a new American order. We need to go back to where we were when things were working. When was that? Like, just give me a year. It's amazing. 60, 80, 100 years ago, it seemed like our- Oh, 60, 80, 100 years ago, damn. 
This guy wants to go back further than I thought. Well, 60 is about where I thought he wanted to go. Thought he wanted to go maybe to the 50s. Values were better. Our homes were better. Our money was better. Even Our homes were better. What does he mean our homes were better? A hundred years ago, a little over a hundred years ago, an earthquake just knocked down all of San Francisco. Even though we didn't have technology, even though we didn't have tons of money, it seemed like we were in a better situation in America. Our but you weren't here, so how would you know? Oh, you, you, this, this guy like is <clears throat> talking about a romanticized version of a past that doesn't exist. Going crazy. The movement of all the things that we're doing across the world that we shouldn't be doing. This globalist push, all that is an agenda that's causing more chaos to the American people. If you want an America that's free and gives you all the opportunity that it can, we've got to start with building our homes back up. We've got to start with our families. We've got to make our families see the value of what a family is. That helps build structure, but also morals and values. But like your behavior and the behavior of the other people in your family is what's going to make people value their family. <clears throat> it's not like just telling people that family is important. You people like you people who think family is important <clears throat> probably have a supportive or mostly supportive family or believe that that's an important thing. It's not just that they, they think that it's a tradition that we need to uphold. That's like, that's like a shitty reason to do anything. Have to have new leadership. And we have to have politicians that are not politicians. Meaning you have to have people who make plans, make goal, have aspirations to do their job, but ultimately come back home to their families too. That Washington doesn't become a career. When people say they want to be there forever, that means they're worried about themselves and not about the rest of the people that they're trying to quote unquote represent. We have to have our liberties. First Amendment, Second Amendment are huge. They were set up for a reason to help us all. I wonder what this guy thinks about the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. Keep the liberties and freedoms that we had. They were set up to protect us. They were set up to secure our rights, to not come to, like every other country, would end up falling right back into some kind of socialist, communist, or some kind of totalitarianism-style leadership. Totalitarianism. I can't even repeat what he just we didn't say. We have to keep those rights. So we have to work through that. We don't need a new world order. We need revival. We need a turn back to where we once were. Guys, I challenge you, start looking at ways that you can do better. One at a time, start doing better. We start building better families. We start building better communities. We start building better counties, better cities, and then better states. And then we build better states. We build a better nation. It happens on the ground level, doing grassroots movements and start looking at politicians saying, you actually work for me. I'm not doing what you tell us. Oh, remember during the, when everybody was like freaking out about masks and shit and they'd like, they went to like government offices or whatever. And we're like, you work for me. And it's, when you work for the public, that doesn't mean that each individual member of the public is your boss. And that's sort of a, a thing that we, we haven't talked about much um, lately, just because we haven't been watching those, you know, those videos aren't really either. Either those things aren't happening anymore. Or they're not like going viral, but if somebody works at the DMV, they're not my fucking employee, right? They work for the public and I hope they do a good job there so that people can get their fucking driver's license and shit. But like, this guy's like, oh, you work for me. That's the worst thing to go. If you're trying to get somebody, if you're trying to convince somebody that has some power in the government of anything, the worst way to start is to tell them that they work for you specifically because they're not going to listen to you. Do anymore until you start building better leadership. If you don't start leading us like you're supposed to, being the servant leader that you're supposed to, 
we're gonna find some way it can. You need to stick to that and you need to make sure that you're not listening to what politicians want you to hear. You need to start looking at actually their actions and what they're doing. Guys, thank you so much for watching. If you like this video, let us know. I, I didn't, comment. but I, I'm Give gonna I'm definitely gonna be uh, we're definitely gonna be subscribing to his channel. Uh, this guy's channel has a quarter million subscribers and he is verified by YouTube. So that's interesting. We'll be keeping an eye on this guy going forward. <clears throat> this idea of a new world order, the, the reason it's stuck around for so long, <clears throat> I was kind of looking it up and I, the earliest I could find it was actually pre-World War I, um, that people were talking about a new world order. And that doesn't mean that's the earliest out there, right? That just, that just means that's the earliest that I could find it. Um, So, but they've been talking about this for a very long time. And it's the reason it, I think it's so durable is because it doesn't really have to fucking mean anything, right? Like it, it can, it, it can be molded. It can like this guy and this guy was just talking about, um, times are changing. The, the youngs are doing different things and they're fucking, I don't know. And then he got, went off onto this whole, they're trying to like regulate our guns and shit. But like, <clears throat> It's the, it's just so malleable. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's malleable and just easy to fit into like whatever your conspiratorial worldview is, because it doesn't fucking mean anything. Like I was talking to somebody and I was at, you know, we were kind of talking about the idea of a new world order. And I feel like things like the printing press brought about what folks would have called, you know, what you could re legitimately call a new world order. Uh, radio and television brought about what you, I think you could legitimately call a new world order. A lot of different technologies brought really changed the order of the world, <clears throat> but that's it's obvious. <clears throat> anyway, uh, it looks like uh, Merrick Garland went in front of the House Judiciary Committee, and uh, Aaron Rupar uh, went ahead and pulled some uh, clips from it, and we're going to be taking a look at a few of those. Hang on a sec here. Okay, there we go. Uh, Twitter is going to Twitter, of course. It's just how, how it do. So Merrick Garland is <clears throat> the head of the Justice Department, and they're, uh, I don't know, they're mad about Hunter Biden or whatever. Far from being favored, many commentators have noted that people accused of simple gun possession while under the influence of a drug when that gun was not used in the commission of a crime, are rarely, if ever, prosecuted the way Hunter Biden is being prosecuted. Mr. Yeah, that's <clears throat> like that's what he was his, his gun thing. One of the things he was charged with was having a firearm while under the influence. And like, if we if this this country started enforcing that law, there'd be a lot of motherfuckers in jail because like just a lot of people have a firearm when they're drinking, and um. You know, I think it's fine. You know, you shouldn't be fucking, you know, you shouldn't be fucking playing with that shit when you're drunk, but you know, just being in possession of it. I don't know if you don't do nothing with it. You're probably fine though. You're better off not, um, just don't take your gun with you. If you're going out drinking, right here is, <clears throat> this is going to be, this is going to be <clears throat> representative Bishop is going to be asking uh, Merrick Garland a couple questions here. Again, determination of where to bring cases and which kinds of cases to bring 
was left to Mr. Weiss. Yes, sir. I understand that you've said that. That's part of the problem. The question is, are you aware that statutes of limitations have been allowed to expire while the matter was under investigation? The investigators were fully familiar with all the relevant law. I'm not asking for the excuses. I'm asking whether you're aware of that fact, sir. I'm going to say again. I'm going to say again and again if necessary. I did not interfere with, did not investigate, did not see those are are statements in response to other questions. Everybody in the country now knows who's paying attention to this, that the Justice Department permitted statutes of limitations to expire. Every lawyer who's ever practiced understands the implications of allowing statutes of limitations to expire. Do you not even know as you sit here whether that occurred or not? Prosecutors make appropriate determinations on their own. In this case, I left it to Mr. Weiss whether to bring charges or not. That would include whether to let statute of limitations expire or not, whether there was sufficient evidence to bring a case that was subject to the statute of limitations or not, whether there were better cases to bring or not. This is <clears throat> this is going to be nonstop, right? We're going to have we're just going to have hearing after hearing after hearing after hearing about this and. He's like, you allowed the, this, I just thought it was kind of funny saying you allowed the statute of limitations to expire. How dare the Justice Department allow time to pass? Um, here we go. We got Gymnasium Jordan now uh, talking, to, talking to Attorney General Garland here. What I'm wondering is why you guys let the statute of limitations lapse for those tax years that dealt with Burisma income. There's one more fact that's important, and that is that this investigation was being conducted by Mr. Weiss, an appointee of President Trump. You will, at the appropriate time, have the opportunity to ask Mr. Weiss that question, and he will no doubt address it in the public report that will be transmitted to the Congress. Yeah, he's like, listen, I did not, I mean, I don't know if he's lying or not. I don't know how much oversight he has, how much, like, how how, hands-on he is or how hands-on his job in, in general tends to be, but he's like, Hey, this is uh, somebody else's, uh, this was their investigation. Now, if he's lying, he's lying, but I don't, I don't know why you would lie about that. I mean, this is someone else's investigation. We got more of Jim J- gymnasium, Jordan here, and then we're going to move on. There's a lot of this. You can find it in our docket. If you want to watch more clips from this, let me ask one last, one last question real quick here. Uh, who decided that David Weiss would stay on as U.S. attorney? Look, uh, this had occurred at, before I came. Mr. Weiss had been uh, kept on. I promised the... Uh, no, I didn't say you can walk all through that. I said, who decided? The White House decided. Mr. Weiss... Right? They serve at the pleasure of the uh, president, right? Mr. Weiss was... Joe Biden point. decided to keep David Weiss as U.S. attorney. Uh, you weren't sworn in until March. He was told he was going to stay on in February. Expired. Pretty fundamental question. Who decided David Weiss was going to stay as U.S. Attorney in Delaware? Mr. Mr. Weiss, your time has expired. Chairman, your time has expired. I'm waiting for an answer now, and I'll... Well, you asked the question after your time had expired already. Point of order. Gentleman can respond, then I'll go to Ms. Jackson Lee. Mr. Weiss was the um, special... U.S. Attorney from the District of Delaware when I came on. He had been appointed by President Trump. I promised that he would be permitted to stay on for this investigation, and that is what happened. Yeah, this guy was appointed by someone else. They didn't, the, the thing is, like, the president doesn't usually come in and just get rid of all the U.S. attorneys, right? It's one of the, the, one of the people might call it maybe the deep state, right? It's because the U.S. attorneys tend to keep their jobs. This wise guy kept his job, came on, kept his job. 
didn't get fired by the president and uh, didn't get fired, didn't get fired, which is generally what happens. The U.S. attorneys generally tend to stay there. They don't usually, it's, <clears throat> it's usually not really thought of as like, even though they're, some of them are, even though they're a political appointee, they're not really thought of as a political job. And um, this is just kind of weird. It's kind of weird. They're like, oh, you didn't fire all the U.S. attorneys or he didn't fire this U.S. attorney. It's like, yeah, he didn't fire this U.S. attorney. This, this is just not what the president does when he comes in. And it's always been a him. I know it should be they. I wish we had, wish we had a little more uh, diversity in our presidents. Up next, <clears throat> not the biggest fan in the world of uh, Pete Buttigieg, but uh, he was asked some questions in, uh, in front of Congress, and uh, he already knew what questions they were going to ask, and he had a piece of paper with the answer, which is, I mean, per, I mean pretty good, I guess. Secretary Buttigieg, um, since taking the role, you've traveled quite a bit. Um, including private flights. Um, how often do you take private flights? Um, so I assume by private flights, you mean the use of government aircraft assigned to my agency. And uh, I knew this might come up, so I brought some numbers. Uh, since getting this job, I have taken 600, these are estimates, give or take a couple, uh, but I've taken 638 flights. And, and uh, any of those commercial? Say, say about Any that? of those commercial? Uh, 607 of them were commercial. 10 of them were on military aircraft, such as Air Force One. And 21 of them were on FAA aircraft, representing about 3% of the flights. What was the, there was a freedom of information request made of your office to reveal the costs of the travel. Have you provided those costs? Uh, I'd have to check back with the office to see how the, uh, on the traffic, but I can tell you that, uh, yeah, we're going to complete. As I understand, with all it's FOIA been months and, and you've not you've not provided the financial numbers for that travel. Okay. Uh, again, I can check on the status of a FOIA you'll, request, but I can commit, also... You'll commit to providing that information? Well, we will always comply with FOIA. Um, okay. But I appreciate the chance to discuss this because I can't help get the sense that some people want to make it sound mm -hmm. as if I yeah, don't Mr. travel Secretary, most of the time on commercial aircraft, which of course is untrue. Yeah. Mr. Secretary, I think, um, I think the irony for most people in my district is that uh, they're being told that they're going to have to convert to electric vehicles to reduce their carbon footprint, and yet not everyone gets to travel the way that you do. Um, and Just so, once again, the way I usually travel is in economy class aboard an airliner like everybody else. When we do it differently, it's often because it will save taxpayer I'm gonna, money. I'm, gonna get on I'm so glad you asked this. I'm kind of excited Mr. to share some you know, of the Secretary details. <laughs> he's like, we, he's like, and I could see, like, okay, saving taxpayer money is probably a weird way to talk about it, right? But if <clears throat> if someone in is already headed somewhere on one of these uh, government, <clears throat> like, uh, I don't know, the planes that are owned by the government, be they own, I don't know what entity would own them. But if somebody's already traveling where he's going, why wouldn't he just hitch a ride? Like, I mean, it sounds like a weird thing to say about a fucking plane, but <clears throat> what if he just hitches a ride? He's like, oh, you're headed to California? Oh, that's great. Okay, I'll... I'll I'll, I'll, I'll ride out with you. Maybe they get some work done together there. Who fucking knows? Not a big fan of Mayo Pete, but he did a pretty good job there. Because, and he was kind of laughing at the guy, which was really great. I love it when, the, when, they, when any of these people get laughed at because they hate being laughed at. Up next, this is uh, someone from CNN. This is uh, CNN fact, fact checker at Dan, Danielle Dale is going to fact check some of uh, Trump's uh, Meet the Press interview which uh, the uh, host of Meet the Press uh, didn't do any of during the interview. Our Daniel Dell joins me now. Uh, Daniel oh, Daniel Dell. I saw um, 
I saw a, a, a woman on screen, so I thought it was Danielle, but it's Daniel. Daniel Dell, the fact checker, my bad. Going nonstop since this interview aired. Uh, you know, Trump it struck me. He, he could not stop talking about his quote unquote perfect call with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. He did. He spoke about the call. And Raffensperger, as you know, has been sharply critical of Trump's conduct on that call. He wrote in his 2021 book that he felt Trump was threatening him, trying to manipulate him, that Trump didn't understand elections, didn't have his facts straight. But Trump claimed in this Meet the Press interview, he said Raffensperger last week said, I didn't do anything wrong. Raffensperger, Trump claimed, said that was a negotiation. Now, I looked far and wide for this supposed Raffensperger quote where he said Trump didn't do anything wrong. Pam, it does not exist. Raffensperger simply did not say that. Trump made it up. And Raffensperger was not the only old foe, if you can call him that, that Trump kept talking about. He kept falsely blaming then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi for the January 6th rioter insurrection. He claimed again that Nancy Pelosi said she turned down 10,000 soldiers. If she didn't turn down the soldiers, you wouldn't have had January 6th. And he said she was in charge of capital security. Well, as I've explained over and over again, Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, is not in charge of capital security. That's the responsibility of the Capitol Police Board. Second of all, Trump is the commander in chief of the D.C. National Guard. It is him, not the House Speaker, that can deploy it if he had wanted to. And according to his testimony from his then acting Secretary of Defense, Christopher Miller, he never actually issued any such order. And it's interesting, too, he said that we have the letter from the mayor saying Pelosi turned it down. Well, if he really had that, wouldn't you think that would have been released by now? He would have uh, been holding it up. Exactly. And Trump also sought to portray Democrats as radicals on the issue of abortion. I mean, he said this over and over again. Let's listen. You have New York State and other places that pass legislation where you're allowed to kill the baby after birth. What's the truth? This is just made up. There is no killing the baby after birth law anywhere in the country that is infanticide illegal in all 50 states. New York in 2019 passed a 24 week abortion limit with exceptions for the life and health of the mother and the viability of the fetus. Infanticide is simply not legal in New York. And that wasn't the only wildly inaccurate thing he said. He also made one that was kind of darkly funny. Uh, he was asked by uh, Meet the Press moderator Kristen Welker about uh, comments he had made about uh, drug cartels. And she said, you said that if you're president again, you will instruct the Department of Defense to use special forces to inflict maximum damage on the cartels. He said, no, I didn't say that. People say I said that. I didn't say it. Well, listen to what he said in a January campaign video that is still on his website today. I will order the Department of Defense to make appropriate use of special forces, cyber warfare, and other overt and covert actions to inflict maximum damage on cartel leadership, infrastructure, and operations. A few more words there, but he basically said exactly what Kristen Welker said he said, and he claimed he didn't. I would, in a situation like that, I'd bet on <laughs> this is kind of this is kind of useless, right? Right, because it's like, oh, the guy went on TV and lied. Oh, you don't say. Um, but talk about bacon. But bacon. some of it's funny. Apparently, that is Trump's inflation gauge. Yes. So in this interview, Trump, for the second time in the last two weeks, claimed that the price of bacon has gone up by five times. That it is quintupled under Joe Biden. Well, we have very good stats in this country on the price of bacon. It has increased about twelve percent under Joe Biden, going from about $5.83 per pound to about $6.50 per pound. Now, Trump could just say that. This is another case where Donald Trump could, he has a stat that could work to his purposes uh, if he had just cited it accurately. Instead, it seems like he can't help himself. He has to 
extremely exaggerated, claiming it's a 400% increase instead of, again, the 11.5 increase we actually had. That was probably one of your easier fact checks. It was. I would imagine. All right, Daniel Dell, thank you for your time tonight. And like, that's like, um, that's like if you shop at like a major retailer too, there's like, a, I, I don't know if they're, they have them where you're at, but there's like things called grocery outlets here. And the price on bacon is low. It's probably like 60% of that number they, they quoted there. It's, you know, it's <clears throat> the ex- expire dates coming up soon. You got to use it or freeze it right away. But, you know, you can, you can find stuff for cheap still. Anyway, here's uh, Chris Christie, who's not going to win the uh, nomination uh, ever for president in the Republican Party, uh, going on to the Neil Cavuto show to talk about uh, the Trump's classified documents case. We've heard uh, concerning the classified documents that uh, Donald Trump had in his possession and an assistant who told ABC News uh, that Donald Trump would write to-do lists on some of these classified documents. Your thoughts? Uh, Look, this just shows the level of disrespect he was showing for the documents that were created. I mean, that's a nice bathroom. American men and women in both the military and in our intelligence community putting their lives on the line to get that information so the president can be fully briefed. But to me, Neil, I've read that report, and the worst part of the report is not, believe it or not. I mean, that's pretty respectful, right? He has the documents up on a stage. In my mind, the to-do list on the back of classified documents. The worst is when he called that assistant when she was going to go before the grand jury and said, you don't know anything about my boxes, my boxes of documents. I mean, that is active witness tampering. That's active obstruction of justice. I mean, so if she's telling the truth, then we have more evidence that will be presented at the time of trial. And this case um, will be tried. Um, and this is the guy that we want to make our nominee. We, this is the person we think can beat Joe Biden. He's going to be spending most of March, all of March and most of April in a federal courthouse in Washington, DC. <clears throat> this all may be true, but that doesn't mean Chris Christie has a chance. I don't, if, if I, first of all, I don't think there's a much prob- a possibility of Trump dropping out, but if Trump drops out, the presumptive front runner is very clearly Ron DeSantis. Um, though he's not polling very well now, he's the closest to Trump of all of them. And that's sort of what I think the majority of the Republican Party, or at least they're the people who are going to vote in the primary what they want. Um, I could be wrong. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a fucking Republican strategist, obviously. But uh, it seems that it seems that um, it would be Ron DeSantis. Uh, the other one, funny enough, might be Vivek Ramaswamy. Oh yeah, I see in chat that he's polling low, that uh, Ron DeSantis is polling lower than them. But if that that if Trump were to drop out, a lot of those people would go to Ron DeSantis. I think the majority of those people would go to Ron DeSantis. But I'm, I'm you know I'm no I'm no fucking fortune teller here. Anyway, up next, even Peter Navarro thinks Trump is uh, in in a lot of trouble here. I, the question. question is, do you think Trump can beat this case in Washington against Jack Smith? No, I don't. And here's here's. Hmm. Here's the the second issue, um, the jury. I mean, you asked me about voir dire. Yep. Um, I, yeah, he looks better with that lady with a sign behind him. And I have great respect for the jury. They took their time out. They did their civic duty. Fine. I, good. Good. But um, 50 people were went through voir dire there. There wasn't a single Trump supporter in the whole bunch. And there were many people who expressed concern or animus towards Donald Trump, yet they still could be seated 
they still could be seated if they said that that animus would not affect their verdict. And we, we know in the district it's 92 percent voted for Biden and over 60 percent registered yeah. Democrats. And it's like, look, if I had a jury and I pulled it from MSNBC versus Newsmax or Fox, I, you, you might not come up with the same outcome. So I think I think that's going to be a tough yep, thing. Understood. So they're already trying to say that the jury is biased before anything even started. That's going to be the talking point because it comes from D.C. Well, sorry, buddy. That's where the fucking thing happened. I don't know what, you know, you're not going to get a fair trial in D.C. Commit your fucking crime somewhere else, asshole. <laughs> we got, here's Lauren Boebert. Uh, she's, gonna, she's still talking about Beetlejuice. I got two clips of her talking about Beetlejuice. So what happened that night? Hi, Jesse. Um, well, I mean, first of all, um, what happened is I messed up. Uh, I went on a date night and I am a congresswoman and a public figure, but believe it or not, I'm human too. Uh, you know, obviously everyone is very interested in my personal life and uh, me going through uh, a very difficult divorce. And as a mother of four boys and a grandmother to a beautiful grandson, that's my first job before anything else in my priority. Um, it's, it's certainly been taxing on uh, me and my family, but um, yeah, it's to have this experience broadcast uh, before the whole world, um, something that was in the dark um, is uh, certainly heartbreaking to watch. He's like, I thought it would be fine. It was in the dark. <laughs> that's a new one and I have apologized to my constituents, will continue to do so. Um, all of those um, in Colorado who may have felt um, let down, um, I, I hear you, and all I could do is promise to do better, and I certainly will. Um, the best apology, I believe, is changed behavior, and I know that I will live and uh, lead with strength and grace through humility moving forward. What happened? You <laughs> Who amongst us hasn't just decided to fucking vape in a theater, even after the person uh, sitting behind us politely asked us to please stop vaping in the theater, and then uh, with a bunch of kids around for the fucking Beetlejuice movie, just grab their my, their dates, wang. Who among us is not? Who among us is not? Here's uh, here's more. Here's uh, she's uh, this is a little more candid. This is uh, she's uh, out and about, and uh, we know what the real problem is: is that she was uh, on a date with a Democrat. Um, it's always hard whenever um, there's gravity put on the voters. I'm here to provide levity and lift burdens off of people. So anytime that they're carrying mine, it's something that you know, I kind of feel deep inside. But ultimately, all future date nights have been canceled. And um, I learned to check party affiliations uh, before you go on a date. Uh, but all in all... She's like, uh, check, check their party affiliation before you grab their wang. Um, you know, it was... Uh, <laughs> It was mostly a lovely time, and you know I've taken responsibility for my actions. Um, would love to know how the the musical ended, and I encourage people to go and see it. But um, yeah, it, it was a great time back in the district seeing voters. And uh, so, how, how are the voters taking it? How are the voters taking it right now? Are they understanding at this moment? Yeah, there's a lot of folks who are certainly understanding, um, and they understand that it was a part of my my personal life, my private time, something that I rarely indulge in. And, uh, yeah, 
Yeah. And when, when you say affiliation, as far as knowing that to date the opposite side. Well, is, TMZ, I'm pretty sure you told the world I went on a date with a Democrat. So, <laughs> so, 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 so when, when it comes like that, when those times when you're, when it. No, he, he was, he's a wonderful man and it was, um, it was, a, it was a great time to, uh, to go out and have dinner, enjoy part of a show. And uh, yeah, now it's back to work. We're here in DC. Okay. And focusing nope. on So is that, is that date people. life, is that over with him? Because of some people say because he he had a drag bar or his his yeah no nothing down, nothing to do with anything or anybody reported but okay. honestly he's a private citizen and um, you know we we peacefully parted at this time uh, great man great friend and I wish him all the best okay so what's that? <laughs> we've peacefully parted what does that mean we're not going out again because it was a disaster yeah that's that's about right. <clears throat> So this, you know, I don't know if people remember, she only won, she was like, she only won her last election by like 500 fucking votes. She in trouble. Same guys running against her. <clears throat> and he, he ran kind of a, like a, a weak campaign sort of not, not that he wasn't a good candidate, but the, like he, the, he thought he was nowhere near like going to win. And it looks like he's in it to win it this time. And I wouldn't be surprised if he just squeaks that shit out and she's running around like Carrie Lake fucking for the next couple years after that, talking about voter fraud. Um, here is a local news reporter out of out of uh, Colorado talking about the uh, Lauren Boebert incident. And my understanding is that uh, this is a pretty good clip. Republican Congresswoman Lauren Boebert's recent performance of sorts that got her thrown out of the theater in Denver was a lot of things, but it wasn't a surprise. I haven't seen a single person say why I am shocked that Lauren Boebert was rude, disruptive, and belligerent. This is, after all, the congresswoman who suggested that a Muslim colleague was a suicide bomber. I haven't seen anyone surprised that Boebert did not tell the truth about what happened. Because, I mean, days before, we just fact-checked her latest false claim about migrants. I haven't seen anyone say that it was out of character for the congresswoman to appear to berate theater staff members who were just trying to do their jobs. Really, the only surprise in all of this is that Boebert, once she got caught, apologized and said that she didn't live up to her values. What? I mean, when, when Boebert didn't know that the cameras were watching, she was exactly who she is when she does know people are watching. Boebert reportedly asked the theater staff, don't you know who I am? Yes, we do. Yep, we know exactly who she is, and she probably going to, I don't know, she, it's going to be close. This next election going to be close. And I kind of like the guy running against her. Uh, his Twitter's pretty good. Here we got uh, Gavin Newsom, who everybody seems to think is going to be taking Joe Biden's place in the, uh, the general election. Um, but here he is talking um, to CNN about the uh, 2024 election and Joe Biden, and it uh, doesn't seem to me like he, th he thinks that he is uh, going to be the nominee or uh, be running for president in 2024. New CBS News poll shows only one third of American voters think that Joe Biden will stay in office through a second term. I know you are downplaying concerns about his age, but do you believe that voters don't have any reason to be concerned that he would be 86 years old by the end of his second term? Voters have every right to be concerned, but I'm, you know, maybe I'm a little, I remember Bobby Kennedy said it best, that what the world needs are the qualities of youth, not a time of life, but a state of mind a quality of imagination. I mean this, I couldn't imagine 
three years ago that this president could accomplish so much in such a short period of time. I mean that. If this political season is all about a celebrity, with all due respect, we had a celebrity for four years. It didn't go well. And so I want a seasoned pro that knows how to get things done. I'm a little old fashioned. I want a guy who produces results. And the results are in. It's been a master class. There's simply no administration in my lifetime that's been more effective producing more substantive results. You and Vice President. Yeah, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I agree with him here, but this doesn't sound like a guy who's uh, uh, angling to take uh, Joe Biden's place, you know? President Kamala Harris, go way back. Yep. You say that you came up together in San Francisco, before knew each other. Before we were in politics. Before, before you were in politics. Yeah. I'm sure you saw that uh, former speaker, Speaker Emerita, Nancy yep. Pelosi, she heaped praise on Kamala Harris, but she declined to say whether or not she thought that the vice president is the best person to be on the ticket with Joe Biden in 2024. Do you? Of course she is. The Biden-Harris administration, masterclass in terms of performance, bipartisan deals on infrastructure, bipartisan deals on guns and debt ceiling, on the chips and so science. She's side. the best choice. I mean, by definition, if I think this administration the last two and, year, two and a half years has been one of the most outstanding administrations in the last few decades, and she's a member of that administration, she gets to lay and claim credit to a lot of that success. The answer is absolutely. But also the question of, like, is this the best person? Well, we don't even know who the best person for any job is. So it's kind of a dumb question. All right. Such unequivocal support. Mm -hmm. um, let's just be real. We don't hear that even from a lot of Democrats. And that's exactly why he's trying to be out there with such unequivocal support. I mean, in various ways, he says the, that the Democratic Party needs to stop hemming and hawing, needs to stop sort of gnashing their teeth collectively. Yeah. And says, I mean, he says, point blank, this is the train that is leaving the station. So we all need to get on board. And this train, he's referring to the Biden-Harris re-election campaign. Uh, and... What he's been trying to do, not just uh, in, I guess, really by example, Aaron, yeah. is say, this is how you do it. Stop whining. Stop worrying. Get out there and, and sell this this ticket, because this is the ticket that we have. Well, he's selling Masterclass, uh, yeah. listing off all of the accomplishments as he sees them, right? I mean, and, and then and just like point blank, no pause support for Kamala Harris. Again, I'm just saying it does contrast with what you hear uh, from so many others. And so you did speak to him about his own ambitions, mm -hmm. right? Because in any conversation about, well, oh, you know, if Biden decides not to run, he has to anoint someone, you hear Gavin Newsom's name. How does he respond to that? Doesn't go there at all. At all. At all. At all. I am not interested in 2024, even if Joe Biden, uh, for some reason, doesn't run. He insists he's not interested. Uh, you know, basically, Kamala Harris is, is next, but he doesn't really even acknowledge the option, the notion of Joe Biden not running right now. Hmm. Uh, I did ask him about whether or not he ever considered running for president ever in the future. He demurred. We can talk more about that conversation <laughs> when you see it he later. Demurred. He's just saying, just not right now. All right, uh, Dana, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, he's clearly running in 2028. I mean, there's, <clears throat> there's, no, there's no question in my mind that Gavin Newsom will be running in the Democratic primary in 2028. Not running in 2024. And I, it, you know, he said that if uh, Biden doesn't, for some reason, doesn't run, that he's not going to run in 2024. I, I fucking, I kind of believe him. I think he's really probably getting ready for 2028. And he still has to go about the business of being the governor of California. Here's a uh, Nikki Haley. These people just keep making uh, Joe Biden ads for him. 
This is uh, her talking about uh, Joe Biden and uh, labor and uh, unions, how he's like the most pro-union president. And it's like, well, that's like one of the things he wants to kind of drive home. So I guess thanks for making a Biden ad on the Neil Cavuto show. Well, I think that's uh, it tells you that when you have the most pro-union president and he touts that he is um, emboldening the unions, this is what you get. And I'll tell you who pays for it is the taxpayers. You know, here, from what I understand, the union is asking for a 40 percent raise. Um, you know, the companies have come back with a 20 percent raise. I think any of the taxpayers would love to have a 20 percent raise and think that's great. But, you know, the problem is this is going to we're all going to suffer from this. This is going to cost things to go up. And, you know, this is going to last a while. But, you know, when you have a president that's constantly saying, go union, go union, this is what you get. The unions get emboldened and then they start asking for things that, you know, that companies have a tough time doing. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Yeah. The, she's like, oh, the taxpayers are going to have to pay for it. It's like, uh, the, do you pay your taxes to fucking GM? I mean, what do you what do you talk about here? That's not it's not. I mean, it's just not true. Maybe the price of a car will go up if their their uh, their fucking wages go up, but uh, you know it's just sort of how the cookie crumbles, I guess. Up next, we have Sean Hannity, the climate talking about the climate uh, crisis, which he's going to probably refer to as climate hysteria or, or some other such thing. Now, of course, imaginary crisis require imaginary solutions. So now your president, Joe Biden, is spending billions of dollars on windmills, solar plants. But by the way, states are now begging for more money because they can't build them at the money they thought they'd build them at. All while imposing costly regulation on cars, your lawnmowers, your stoves, your ovens, uh, even your HVAC units declaring war on the gas and oil industry, relying on countries that frankly hate our guts for the lifeblood of the world's economy, not just- We're exporting more oil than we ever have. This guy's just cars, incorrect. Oil, energy, gas. We have unilaterally now disarmed our economy and our leadership role in the world. None of this will put a dent in the perceived, quote, climate crisis. But here's where it gets truly bizarre. During his speech at the UN earlier today, Bowden, he vowed to partner with China to save the earth from carbon. Take a look. Stand ready to work together with China on issues where progress hinges on our common efforts. Nowhere is that more critical than accelerating the climate crisis, than, than the accelerating climate crisis. Oh, then maybe we should call them a developing nation as per the Paris Climate Accords. China, they took no responsibility for the millions that died of COVID. They blamed us for their spy balloon that they flew over sensitive military and nuclear sites. Oh, no, the balloon, the balloon's back. Uh, the, the balloon week was such a fun week. They did that for over a week. Joe didn't lift a finger. They're pretending that the Uyghur genocide isn't really happening. It's happening. Don't expect China to take responsibility for being the world's number one polluter. If you ever seen the pretty disgusting skies over Beijing, you would kind of know that climate change is pretty low on their list of priorities and concerns. Somewhere below mass producing cheap plastic products for profit and invading or threatening to invade. Cheap plastic products? You mean like everything in your fucking studio? Like the cameras, the computers, the video switchers, everything. Some of that shit's expensive, friendo. Ally Taiwan. Now, so, by the way, so do the woke climate alarmists in charge of the Biden White House. Do, do they realize any of this at this time? Or are we just witnessing 
a dumb, mumbling, bumbling, expensive global exercise in just virtue signaling. Now, today, even Zelensky was lecturing the world on the so-called climate crisis at the U.N. Uh, okay, Ukraine is right now facing a real existential crisis, but it doesn't have a thing to do with the weather. Right, right. But <clears throat> Sean, Sean, now let me <clears throat> let me let you in on a big secret. People can think about more than one thing at a time. Even in a crisis, people can think about other things besides like an acute crisis. He, um, Sean, I'm sure he's fully aware that his country is being invaded and bombed and shit. Um, but that doesn't mean that he uh, doesn't, can't also uh, be interested in the climate. War is actually really bad for the environment, it turns out. Did you know that? And of course, we all want clean air and water under Donald Trump. Here are the facts. The U.S. reduced carbon emissions by more than any other country on Earth, but not with regulations and windmills. Instead, clean, natural, burning gas uh, and new technologies, they're credited. So it's, it's bad to reduce emissions unless our side does it. With the reduction in pollution in our country, we led the way. But the climate cult, they don't seem to care. They need a doomsday scenario to achieve their radical goals. For them, this isn't ultimately about a cleaner planet. Their end goal is more government control over your life, a bigger share of your paycheck, a greater say in your decisions, more ownership over your property. In other words, socialism. The climate crisis is just a, a virtuous Trojan horse for global collectivism. Republicans in Congress. Oh, a new world order. Check this. They got to stand strong. I thought Republicans, you know, thought that fiscal responsibility was important. Question is, how? Well, a serious budget battle is a small but important step in the right direction. Keep in mind, government shutdown is definitely not the end of the world. I've talked about that. Our military, they'll be on duty. They'll continue to get paid. Social security checks, in spite of the fear mongering, they will go out to the people that deserve them. The VA, our veterans program. People that deserve them. And by the way, the people that get furloughed, they'll get hired back and probably get back pay as they usually do. Trying to use this as leverage to force the Democrats' hand and start, you know, we need to get our reckless spending under control. Bring your case to the American people before it's too late. Um, at the end, he was kind of all over the place. <clears throat> so what, I, what struck me most about that, though, is like, oh, all these, these attempts to, you know, uh, reduce emissions are bad, but also... When my guy was the president, we reduced emissions and that was good, but it's bad now. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Speaking of doesn't make any sense, uh, here's Rudy Giuliani. Um, Rudy Giuliani is uh, considering suing uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, uh, who he allegedly groped on January 6th for uh, defamation for uh, coming out and saying that he uh, groped her on January 6th. I mean, the next... Um well, I don't know exactly how long, three days, four days, we, we will file a lawsuit against uh, the, I'm not even going to mention the name, the uh, serial liar who claimed uh, that I, um, that on September, or on January, uh, on January 6th. Why would you buy a $500 microphone and then just use the mic on your fucking uh, phone? Uh, in, in, in a tent. I uh, touched her and then bent over and put my arm all the way up her leg. In other words, think about, just think about, I want you to think about the visual. No, I don't want to think about that, please. And I bend over 
my arm up. Like really? That's about as. He just like he just like he, did, he just did a dramatic reenactment. Out of the back seat of his limo, got into the front seat and grabbed the wheel. This is the same person, and Secret Service agents uh, made a liar out of her there. And I don't need the Secret Service agents. She can find out what I got. But the reality is, uh, it's time. It's time to fight back. I mean, this is a scurrilous, horrible charge. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with the woman, but she should get her. <laughs> oh, this guy, that, I mean, come on. You, you can't. If, if Rudy Giuliani didn't exist, some, well, somebody would have had to make him up or something. We got uh, up next, we got Owen Jones talking about <clears throat> Rupert Murdoch, uh, Rupert Murdoch's retirement. And uh, this is a pretty good clip. Um, uh, not bad. How do you think Rupert Murdoch's going to be remembered? Well, he's the, Rupert Murdoch is the most poisonous individual of my lifetime. Uh, 20 years ago, just as an example, on the road to war in Iraq. Um, Rupert Murdoch owns 175 newspapers all around the world, and all 175 newspapers backed the Iraq war. They softened up public opinion for what was a calamity which took the lives of hundreds of thousands of people and unleashed terrible blood and chaos. And why do I mention that? Uh, because it shows that the idea that we have this free press uh, with all, all these newspaper outlets and media outlets around full of rigorous journalism coincidentally all backed this catas catastrophic war. Many other examples, though, in the 1980s, when the bodies of hundreds of thousands of gay men were being ravaged by AIDS all over the world, his newspapers whipped up the most vile bigotry against gay men. If you think about the United States, uh, we mentioned uh, Fox News, their peddling of conspiratorial nonsense about the Obama administration, the Islamophobia, that paved the way for Donald Trump, who he spoke to every single week when he was president. Or if you think about the climate emergency, spreading climate denialism about what is an existential threat to human civilization, his attacks on migrants, refugees. So you're, you're, you're a big fan then, right? Huge yeah. fan. But I think it's really important we say this yeah. because this isn't just some media owner. This guy is a politician. He's a very, very powerful political figure who has, without being elected by a single person, had a huge disruptive and pernicious and poisonous impact in our democracy, Australian democracy, US democracy, and democracies all over the world. Yep. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. <clears throat> when I heard, that, well, like when he was, when I, basically when the news broke that he was retiring, for some reason I thought he had uh, passed. <laughs> no such luck. Uh, up next, we uh, have a, uh, we have two palate cleansers, actually. They both involve cats. No surprise there, right? Our palate cleansers often involve cats. This first one is incredibly cute. I think they're both having fun, actually. The cat and the the window washer here. So for people on the podcast, you'll just have to watch. <laughs> another window oh how cool oh and his friends there too but his friends like not that interested
So that was incredibly cute. You'll have to uh, check that out if you're listening on the pod. You can either grab the docket or uh, you can maybe watch our show on YouTube or whatever. But that was very cute. It was, and I wouldn't even say cat versus window washer. I would say that was definitely cat collaborates with window washer. Up next, we have another one. It's a this one's <laughs> this one's <laughs> this one's considerably. Um, it's kind of cute, but it's also a little little troubling. A little troubling. I'm, I was I, I first I saw this. I was like, no, kitty, don't do it. Watch watch this this dumb cat. No kitty, no, no kitty, no. Kitty, no. Yeah, kitty, no. <laughs> why, why? Like, you'd think after the first, I, I don't know, maybe it doesn't hurt. Maybe the, maybe the, the fan is made of something that it doesn't hurt. But I was like, no, don't do that, kitty. Don't do that. So up next we have a that says well this it just says this is amazing, so um, I'm not sure what we have. Oh, this is very funny. This is about uh, gay marriage, and uh, well, this is about gay marriage. Check this out. Now this gay marriage, they telling me I gotta get gay married. Okay, uh, Bobby, no one's telling you you gotta get gay married. Here Too late. Go. I don't marry my buddy Zeke. Howdy. That's fishing. <laughs> Not even a nibble. <laughs> you see what these sicko liberals are making us do? And see, before gay marriage was legalized, I couldn't marry any lady I wanted. <laughs> Cuts an owl, and I'm stuck here married to Bobby. Yep. We decided to go ahead and get it done before the government made us do it. See, you still got the gun. We got rid of all the guns, though. That's the next thing the government's going to come after. Ain't that right, Zeke? Apparently, the man doesn't think it's safe to have guns in the house when you got a little kid running around. You guys have a kid. My dads are awesome. They're always holding hands and kissing because that's what the government wants them to do. <laughs> and they said when I grow up, I can be anything I want to be. And that sexuality is fluid because that's the way things are running anyways. Now she's going to go off and get a good Ivy League education, come back here and take my job. It's just another immigrant taking an American job away. I thought you were in your own business. I do. I run a clinic for unwed mothers. You're a doctor? We make love in this bed every night. Because mm -hmm. pretty soon there's going to be an amendment where we have to do it anyway. We better get going. It's almost time for a mosque. What? Oh, yeah. We're Muslim now. Yeah. Oh. Wouldn't that speak Vietnamese? They just make English the national language. <laughs> Fucking great. That is incredibly funny. Up next, we have um, <clears throat> Guyana's president was uh, interviewed by the British press. And, uh, well, <laughs> they asked a stupid question, and uh, the Guyana's president had a pretty, pretty brilliant response. One of the points you're going to be making today is about our royal family. And you feel that um, it's not just about uh, the, the finances involved here in terms of reparations for slavery. It's about the gestures. And you think that the British royal family should make a big gesture, don't you? What do you mean? Hand over a palace to your country? Well, no, we don't want, to hand, we don't want the British to hand over a palace that we built. You know, if you go into many of the palaces in, in, in Britain, you will see the lovely green heart wood from Guyana. You will see the, the sweat, tears, and blood of, of, of the slaves who were exploited. So what do you and, want? And the revenue that so, was 
that was earned from their exploitation. So we're not asking for a palace. We're asking for justice. And- <laughs> oh, fucking, yeah, he's like, uh, we, we helped build that thing, actually. So, I mean, we don't really, we don't really need it. It's <laughs> fantastic. Up next, we got, uh, this comes from, uh, uh, <clears throat> this is the uh, AVK. This is Vaxxers Anti on uh, Twitter. And uh, this is, I described this as could have been a fire by night skit because it could have been a fire by night skit. This is about the rapture. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself now. Nothing. That's the idea. Come back and Jill will take us for a spin. Yeah. Will do. Okay. Okay. Come on. on. Let's finish the video for the kids. Back to the bowl. Goodness! Are they hurt? They're not in the car! Come on, that's crazy! We just saw them seconds ago! What's going on? This can't be happening. No! That could have been a fire by night skit, right? They clearly got raptured. (laughs) It's amazing. Very funny. I don't know if it was uh, <clears throat> serious or uh, intended to be satire, but it is uh, very, very funny because they got raptured. Good for them. Uh, here we got Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn's doing um, some Latinos for uh, Trump outreach here. Um, I haven't watched this. I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty fucking cringe. Um, might be funny. We'll have to see. Latino Trumpito. Say that again. Latino Trumpito. Latino Trumpito. I love it. I love it. What is it, brother? So what is it? What's it about? Coming together as unity, bringing the black, white, brown people together. Yeah, it doesn't make any difference. I don't care if you're purple with pink polka dots. Exactly. This is about this country. We've got to bring everybody together. Music is going to be part of that. It's going to drive us together. So this Latino... Trumpito, Latino Trumpito. I love it. I love it. It's not that funny. Mega, mega 24. Go Trump. (laughs) It's not that funny. I was hoping it would be funnier, but it wasn't. But Michael Flynn is not very funny. Or at least if he is funny, sometimes he's funny like in ways that he doesn't understand. Up next, we got one that I'm just calling they were doing what? This is from a school board meeting, obviously. This is going to be somebody making some wild claims about what's going on in the schools. In response to the um, study session that went on last week, I am dumbfounded why that was behind closed doors. I don't understand why that was, how it was done. I know I can't really get an answer at the moment from you guys, but I don't know why that wouldn't be something you would want the, the parents to hear, the community to hear, the staff to hear, like what your thoughts are on these candidates and who's gonna be a board member. I just think it looks bad. It looks like, again, not transparent, again, secretive, like telling secrets in a corner. I, I, I think it's weird. I don't know why that wouldn't be discussed in front of everybody because that's we're all in the same team here. Um, so, And I've supposedly heard that's never been done before by another board. So if that's the case, it's not customary. But um, And then the other thing that I just wanted to talk about, which um, apparently there was a fifth grade assignment about uh, bugs, food of the future, and Americans need to open their minds to eating bugs because other countries do it, and we need to learn to do it. I don't want my kids eating bugs. If somebody else wants to eat bugs, that's great. They can eat bugs. 
but I don't think that's what we should be teaching kids at school, that they need to learn to how to, to accept eating bugs. We have food. Um, but what if the food, there's already some stuff from bugs in some of your food. America, I don't think if somebody wants to do that at their home, that's their choice at their home. But I think that's weird to teach kids that. I don't want my kids eating bugs. My kids don't want to eat bugs. But just in case you guys disagree, I brought you guys snacks. So anybody that wants crickets, <laughs> worms, or roaches, I have them. Because if we're teaching kids that this is the thing to do, then we should probably lead by example. We should be eating bugs. If anybody doesn't want the bugs, I have a bearded dragon that loves bugs. But anybody that wants snacks, I brought snacks today. So let me know. Using using Thank you. using uh, insects in food isn't like just randomly picking up uh, an insect and just eating it. Or cricket flour is used in a lot of stuff, and I hear it's actually pretty good. I'd be down to try some uh, cricket flour food. I'll try anything. Fuck it. It's just food. It's gone after you eat it, right? So here, this is from, uh, this is going to be weird. This is from GB News, which is usually an outlet in uh, Great Britain that we uh, tend not to agree with. Uh, but this uh, this host uh, here on GB News, this uh, this fella here, kind of gives it to his co-host about, she she had called Russell Brand one of her heroes. And, uh, well, just watch. It's a little bit long, but it's definitely worth the watch from what I'm hearing and what I read in the comments. We've got to talk about, uh, because what Jonathan Ashworth is referring to is your tweet, Beverly Turner, at the weekend when you said about, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. You are being attacked. Establishment need you don't know what to do with the fact you have 6 million subscribers. 6.5. And generate autonomous, knowing, and original content. You are welcome on my GB News show anytime. Actually, it's my show too. Uh, we are mainstream media, but we are not if establishment come on this morning, media. We'd have had him, let's be honest. But we are not establishment media. There's a difference. Keep going. This proves you're winning. You're a hero with mm. a love heart emoji. Yeah. Bev, that is shameful. It's not that shameful. is shameful. That is shameful. You have dismissed in one tweet uh, a four-year investigation by the Sunday Times, the Times, and Channel Four as contemptuously the mainstream media. A 16-year-old girl has complained of being groomed by this man. Two women have said they were raped, and there are more and more cases coming tonight. And you say you're a hero. Don't you think before you say someone's a hero? Hang hero? on. Don't you think before you say he's a hero, you should establish whether these very serious allegations are true? Well, before, well what's the I answer to that? before I tweeted that, I had spoken to several sources mm. close to Brand, right. close to the Times. Had you spoken close to those to four women? I was confident that there is no smoking gun in this regard. Right. I remain confident, having watched the dispatches, if that is what they've got after four years of a joint investigation by the Times newspaper and Channel 4, those four flimsy allegations from women who choose to stay anonymous, so there is nobody that can counter their version of events. There's nobody who can say, well, hang on, I well, was Well, wait a minute. Of course they choose to stay anonymous. Does she know, like, come on. Well, <clears throat> if, they, if their names were released, this, this Russell Brand's basically online cult would go after these women. It would be horrible. They'd, like, have to move, like, and shit. They'd, like, be on the run. They'd be like fucking, they'd be like Michael Weston and burn notice. On that occasion. Well, Whilst, uh, and this is the thing. Do you have any sympathy every year, for these women? There are 1.1 million. For these women? Every year, there are 1.1 million people who are sexually assaulted in this mm, country. Mm. Newspapers, like yours, yeah. don't care about that until there's a celebrity involved. No. And then suddenly, it's uh, all over well, the front page of the paper. <laughs> of course, everybody has the right to not be sexually, offensive, uh, uh, um, sexually assaulted. 
anybody who has been sexually assaulted, my heart goes out mm. to them. This happens every single There's day. There's not in this a country. scintilla of sympathy in this statement on Twitter for these four women who I would argue none of them know each other. It's a very big thing to go public. Um, And and you say this proves keep going. This proves you're winning. What winning by allegedly raping and grooming sixteen-year-olds? You're a hero, love heart. Let me tell you why he's winning. He's winning because he is a man who generates his own content under his own speed, under his own expense. He is a threat to all of these newspapers. The ones His that you clip, write for when you can. I love newspapers. Right. Don't get me wrong. I love this industry. So that's more but important than is, these allegations why by now? these women. Why now? No, it's, why now? It's taken four years. It's taken he's, four he's, years for this. And that's all they've got? The, well, but, why didn't those women go to the, the police? Why haven't they gone to the police Well, now? the allegations, they're, going, they're increasing in their number, and I guarantee to you this is going to be a huge investigation, a huge story, and I'm astonished that you let to his defence before you can have any read of his content in the last uh, three years. You have you no idea who he is. The dispatch you have no idea had you what watched he the dispatch? Had you watched the, the dispatch show? When you, had you watched the dispatch show account. when you put that tweet out on Saturday morning? No, but that you doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. There was nothing you hadn't that could even tell me seen the dispatches program when you put out. No, this is amazing. He is a hero. And you hadn't even seen the dispatches program. His, he would not have what gained make of that? the as popularity a woman, as a woman knowing that how, how difficult it is in this country. If all of the mainstream media hadn't been singing from one the point non-scientific no, hymn sheet all you've done for is the last three years, women. shame on you. Then he wouldn't have the hero. Shame on you for attacking these women. You've created that hero. Shame on you for attacking these women. Because all these people, all these newspapers that gave one side of the pandemic, he was it's, alone. Oh, it's now about voice. COVID again. Beverly Turner's other big hobby horse, she can't get through an hour without going on about COVID. This is not about COVID. This <laughs> is about serious fucking at it. Like, I don't know who this guy is. This guy's probably a fucking ghoul too, right? This guy's absolutely had it with this person. <laughs> She's about a public figure who has been accused by four women of twice two of rape, one of grooming a six-year-old, and you're banging on about COVID. He talks about the you're thing obsessed. that matters. You're obsessed. No, I'm telling you that the reason Stephanie. he is a hero to right. millions of people, yeah. millions who will right. be watching Not this to these channel, four women. is because of his position right. on politics right. in the last three right. years. He used to be a left winger. He now gets written off as a right winger. That's why people like Jonathan Ashwood don't know what to say. Because when he was the left wing darling, everybody loved him. Now that he's interviewing people like Tucker Carlson and interviewing Ron DeSantis, the press hate him. They've You're turned against him because of his position. talking about the issues, are you? <laughs> he's like this is not what I, yo yo i i fucking can't believe that that that, that crusty old tory guy fucking had a pretty good point he's like you didn't even look at the um at the the the, the, the material that came out about this guy before you decided to like defend him you'd at least look at the material you could say ah, i don't think this was reported well or whatever but you'd have to look at it to see <clears throat> you'd have to look at it to see if it looked like a hatchet job you'd have to look at it to have like to see and also, she didn't even, couldn't even fucking lie and say she watched it. Like, I don't know, the easy way out of that is to just lie and say that she watched it, right? She couldn't even do that. Like, why wouldn't she just lie? That's, that's, that's what I'd fucking do if I was a ghoul. I'd just fucking lie. Anyway, here's a, when Mr. Charles Kirk, <clears throat> he got a warm reception at a uh, university in uh, northern Arizona.
he was like he's setting up a table for like to talk to people and like nobody came to talk to him and then and then uh, why would you set up a table i don't understand I mean, he kind of uh, there's a way in which he did get what he wanted out of that though but i still i still think that there's no real there's no real other way to like deal with with that stuff even though they sort of get they get to play like footage of being like look at how intolerant these college students are i mean your other choice is to just not do that and so you know you're kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't but i don't know going out there and making fun of charlie kirk and talking shit to him is fun i guess so go ahead and do it <clears throat> here's a here's the same guy uh charlie kirk this is this one this one's amazing this motherfucker is going to talk about how nobody in the bible retired Okay, welcome back, everybody. Look, for current beneficiaries, none of your none of your obligations should be touched. If you're receiving Social Security, if you're receiving Medicare, if you look at the composition, that's because that's who his audience is. He doesn't run no student group, right? We all know that this guy he was he like tries to pretend to run a student group and like have. Uh, like young people as his followers in his community, but we all know it's like people my parents' age that are like this guy's followers. ...of the federal proposed budget. A lot of it, though, and I don't like this word entitlement. I, I don't like that. I'll be honest. If you pay into Social Security, that, that's not an entitlement. You earned that. Now... Well, that's... Yeah, you're entitled to it. You, you absolute dumb fuck. You should be able to opt out of Social Security payments. I really do. You should be able to say, no, I don't want it in the future. I don't want it now. I can invest it far more dutifully than with the federal government. And just so you know, the federal government's not putting your Social Security payments in some sort of a lockbox. They take your Social Security payments via FICA for 20, 25, 30, 35-year-olds. And then they just bring it through and they say, okay, we'll, we'll pay you later. We'll pay you later. We'll pay you later. And so the proportion of retirees to people paying used to be something like 20 to 1, 30 to 1. Now it's like two and a half to 1. So in the future, and I'm talking about my generation, I'm, I'm 29 years old. I'm willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to strike a deal so that people in their 20s are going to get next to nothing for future Social Security if it means we can balance the budget. Now, I totally understand if I were to say that about people in their 50s right now, there would be a revolt at our studio. Of all the issues that if I were to even touch, even allude to saying that a 1% adjustment of Social Security or Medicare, it would be a riot. I get it. In your studio? Because Sounds like an unsafe place. On it, and a lot of people you know, live on it and they expect it. And look, you have to understand you work many decades to pay into it, and you're made a promise, and the government says, oh, you know, not so fast. I will say there's a lot of lying around the Social Security or Medicare issue, a lot of lying, where it is used as a political football. Now, I will say that for future retirees, people under the age of 45, we should absolutely raise the retirement age. I'm going to say something very provocative. I'm not a fan of retirement. I don't think what? retirement is biblical. It's not biblical. Yeah, retired, see, nobody in the Bible fucking retired. Just be doing something. Not to say that you have to, you can't slow down, but you should be helping people, part-time work. You should be helping with the grandkids, volunteering. 
I, I do not like the overemphasis on a retirement-based society. I don't. I think there is so much talent that is not being used. In fact, I talk to senior citizens. They say, Charlie, my parents are retired and they fucking love it. Really, after I officially retired, I went back and I was a part-time substitute teacher, counselor at the local church. And so I challenge this idea of retirement altogether. People are living longer. Are they doing more with their 70s or 80s? Some yes, some not so much. But you say, Charlie, I'm just going to retire and I'm just going to go golf. I think what a waste of the gifts that God has given you. What a waste of the wisdom. What if you're really good at golf and you enjoy it and you can teach other people to golf and you like that you have been given just to kind of just watch TV and to golf. No, there are young people that need you as a mentor. You know, how many turning point USA chapters would be blessed by people in their 60s, 70s and 80s to mentor them, to pour into them, to give them advice. But many people in retirement do volunteer and they volunteer with young people. Yeah, if they can, a lot of people do that. So we take money from people who need it the most, young families in their 20s and 30s, and give it to those who need it the least. Some people without Social Security would be on the street. I'm not even for means testing it. I'm for like raising the cap on it, right? <clears throat> so that we don't, so that like, like somebody in chat said, you know, Charlie's done uh, paying into Social Security on the 1st of January. That may be an exaggeration. But people who make like, you know, a quarter million dollars, $250,000 a year or whatever, they only pay. Only half of that is um, uh, uh, captured by uh, Social Security tax. And so we need to raise that up so that all of that actually uh, is captured by Social Security tax. And uh, here we go. We got uh, this is Anna Perez. Uh, she's sort of been kind of sometimes on a red light docket. Um, she's going to talk about uh, how there's no uh, good produce at her local grocery store. And uh, she's going to have a weird reason for it. Maybe not super surprising to hear, but a weird reason for it. Anyways, um, a lot of these things are made up, which is the whole point of this. This is a made up problem. So I had a lot of thoughts on this and I want to kind of break them down. Firstly, I think it's always funny and I kind of alluded to this earlier, how the left is always so concerned about food deserts. Uh, they claim that black people are the victim of these food deserts. That's a term that they often throw around, but they're basically describing uh, what they just did in the article, which is the fact or the idea rather that uh, black people are being starved to death in certain communities. And Chicago is a pretty high has a pretty high population of black people, certainly uh, disproportionately uh, when you compare it, disproportionate when you compare it to the rest of the country, there's about 13, 14% of black people in this country. Chicago has almost 30% black people, at least according to uh, latest demographics from uh, what I'm aware of at least. So it's interesting because obviously they're trying to turn this into somewhat of a race issue, which is why you heard all of that rhetoric surrounding historically, uh, you know, historical, historically disenfranchised groups. Obviously, they're speaking about black people because that's always how they talk about black people. So anyways, I think that's funny how they're claiming that black people are the victim uh, because they're not. Uh, I don't know a whole lot of black people that don't love fried food. And what? that's not a thing that I'm being racist about. That's just a fact. Okay. I live in Washington, D.C. All right. And my nearest grocery store is not the best grocery store. And the reason why it's not is because I sort of live in a more gentrified area. Half of it is pretty black. The other half is sort of developing. It's attracting different people. Okay. Different 
different ethnicities. Obviously, I'm Hispanic, so technically not like, you know, white, white, although I'm a white Hispanic. Anyways, point is, when you go there, the produce absolutely sucks. And the reason why that is is because they don't tend to get a whole lot of shipments of produce because people don't buy them because the majority of people that they're catering to are black people. What the fuck? Why in the world would they waste money on produce, fruits and vegetables if no one's going to buy it? I mean, I want to buy it, but I'm not black. So I'm not, you know, I'm not the customer that they're necessarily catering to. And I'm obviously speaking in generalities, but these are generalities that I think we can all notice and black people are very open about. This isn't like some secret. They'll tell you to their face that they love fried chicken. My dad was a sales rep growing what? up and I went to work with him one time and he used to call the nurse staff and ask them, you know, hey, what do you want for lunch? Because he would cater, to, he would, you know, get catering. And I remember I was in the car with him and he was on the phone with this one nurse staff. He, I, I'm from Philly or the outside of the Philly area. So he was on a, you know, his territory was the Philly area when he would do, go on his little sales runs. And uh, he calls the nurse staff, which was pretty, was a pretty black hospital. And the nurse, he goes, what do you want? Like I have, I know this great place that's like Mediterranean if you want me to get it there, but I'm happy to get whatever you ladies want. And the black woman goes, Emilio, you know, oh, I just gave away my dad's name. You know us. You know what we want. We want fried chicken. We don't want none what of that. the fuck we want fried chicken. And I remember, yo, fuck kid, you. They're very open about their preferences here, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just it. Just Dude, everybody likes thing, fried right? chicken, yo. And so this idea that we're, you know, everybody likes fried chicken. Depri- de- de- fantastic fried chicken for dinner the last black night. Community of healthy foods and fruits and vegetables is retarded because they don't want. Oh, lady. Okay. And I actually think that that's kind of racist. That's a white savior complex mentality to push your preferences on a group of people that don't actually want that. Let them be. If they want to eat their fried chicken, fine. Whatever. Whoa, dude, that's fucking crazy. Like, like, why would you like go and why would you like, I have a, I have a soundboard, a Gorka for that. I rarely run the soundboard at all. Um, during the, the podcast part of the show, but it's like, she doesn't just think it. She says it on camera. We got one more story. One more clip before we, uh, hit up uh, red light tonight. Um, this is one Ali Alexander. And. <laughs> He doesn't like Mark Levin, <clears throat> but it's for a very Ali Alexander reason. So anyway, so anyway, I say all that to say that that Merrick Garland is 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 I like I like who who said this? Oh, Mark Levin said this. Mark Levin is at the top of his game. You know, Mark Levin has never been better than he is now. Uh, so hats off to him. Um, uh, but I would never buy his book. Um, I wanted to, I thought about it yesterday, but then I was like, this guy's going to piss me off through half the book because, because Mark Levin is inherently a foreigner. You know, he's Jewish. He's a foreigner in, in, in kind of his ethos. What? So the way he talks about the Democrat party is a different way than I, a son of the South a son of Texas, a son uh, uh, of, of American slavery, a child of American slavery. I would talk about the Democrat Party in, in a better contextual American way than a foreign person like someone who's Turkish or Jewish or any of the issues or the ites, you know? What? And they just... You know, it's like when people like try to blame slavery on the Democrat Party. It's like that's actually an 
that's not just an un-American argument. It's an inhumane argument. Slavery existed everywhere. Well, that was weird. I mean, the guy's uh, foreign because he's uh, Jewish. Mark Levin was born in the United States. I don't like Mark Levin. I think he's an asshole. But, uh, you know. Not great. Ali Alexander is a gigantic piece of shit and always has been and probably always will be. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it makes him, makes him money. So, and, uh, Mark Levin also a giant piece of shit and it also makes him money. <clears throat> so that was our, uh, podcast part of the show podcast listeners. If you want to catch the rest of the show, uh, check it out live sometime. It's uh, 7 PM Pacific on uh, Sundays, twitch.tv slash echoplex media. Or you can become a member at eplex.store at patreon.com slash echoplex. Five bucks or more a month, and you get the entire audio and video capture of the entire show in your email the next day, a day before the podcast comes out. Um, and that's a couple ways to support this project. Other ways can be found at ecoplexmedia.com slash support. And we're out of here. I'm going to change the contents of my beverage, change the color of the light in this room, and I'll be back in a few minutes for Red Light. This is Boomers by Periscope.